Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in Betting. I am Tom Barton, and it is week 17. Oh, yeah, can you believe it's already week 17 here? The NFL season is basically slipping away, and the playoffs are right on the horizon. I do want to kind of touch on all of the playoff scenarios just so we have them. Here we go. What are we dealing with with Week 17? So I'm going to read them all off, and uh, I know Ian Rappaport put this up, so I want to give him some credit. I'm going to read this all off, all of the playoff scenarios, and then we're going to take it back and scale it back and see which games directly impact this week in the biggest ways, right? I mean, we knew last week going in, there's a lot of playoff scenarios. There's a lot of playoff situations. I mean, the Packers were kind of in a must-win game. There was a lot of that going on, but the Chargers win and you're in. I mean, you know, there are some games you win and you're in, and that's it. So let's take a look at this here. For the AFC, the Bills have clinched the AFC East division title. The Chiefs have clinched the AFC West division title. Those are done. Now, the Ravens, Bengals, and Chargers, like I said, the Chargers got themselves in. The Ravens, Bengals, and Chargers, they're all in the playoffs. So those that, that's what's done and out there in the AFC. Now we're talking about seeding. Now we're talking about different things. The Buffalo Bills, who are 12-3, and three, they have Cincinnati this week on Monday Night Football. They have New England next week. Buffalo will clinch home field advantage and the AFC's only first-round bye. Remember this year? And just like last year, it's only one first-round bye. If they win and they get a KC loss, they win this week, KC loses, they clinch. It's that simple. The Bengals, who are 11-4, and four, they take on Buffalo Monday night, like I said, and Baltimore in the last week. Cincinnati can clinch the AFC North with a win plus a Baltimore loss or tie. And Cincinnati tie or a Baltimore loss. Right, So basically, since he wins, Baltimore loses, uh, the Bengals clinch that division. If not, we go into a Week 18 must-win kind of situation. But Cincinnati is still looking to try to grab that number one overall seed. Cincinnati has an opportunity if they beat the Bills. Um, and then you look at this and you go, wait a minute. If they beat the Bills and then things happen in Week 18, yeah, they can be the number one overall seed. So can Kansas City. So can Buffalo. So much is riding on that Monday night football game, which we'll get into. Miami, uh, they are just uh, spiraling downhill. We'll get into them in a minute, but they have New England on Sunday, and then they play the Jets in Week 18. Miami can clinch a playoff berth if they win and the Jets lose, or they win, Jets lose, and Pittsburgh with a loss or tie if Miami ties. Okay, So a lot of scenarios for this weekend that can go on. In the AFC, we are looking at last playoff spots. We're looking at uh, number one overall seeds. We're looking at some division titles. The Jacksonville, Tennessee situation will not be resolved until week 18. Jacksonville and Tennessee come into a weird situation where both of them, it doesn't matter what they do this week. It literally, it really doesn't matter. Okay. It's all about week 18 for them. So we'll get into those games, but there's no reason to start anybody that might be even a little bit banged up. 
Let's go to the NFC where things are a little bit more wide open, right? The AFC is pretty clear cut, but the NFC, a little bit more, more wide open. The Minnesota Vikings have clinched the NFC North. The San Francisco 49ers have clinched the NFC West. Dallas has clinched a playoff berth, as has Philly, but that division is still in flux. That's the division still in play. Speaking of that division, let's go to the Giants. The Giants have Indianapolis here on Sunday, and then they get Philadelphia in the last week. The Giants are a muddled mess, but let's just say, basically, they win one more and they're in. Look, the Giants win and they're in. The end, okay? They're in the playoffs with a win. Now, if the Giants tie, it gets really crazy. If the Giants tie, they need a Seattle loss or a tie and a Washington loss or a tie, and they still get in. Giants tie, don't say it won't happen because they already tied this year. Giants tie, they need a Seattle loss or a tie and a Detroit loss or a tie. The Giants tie, they need a Washington loss or a tie, Detroit loss or a tie, a Green Bay loss or a tie. It's a mess, okay? Or Seattle loses and Washington loses, Giants are in. Seattle loses, Detroit loses, and Green Bay loses. Giants are in. Washington loses, Detroit loses, Green Bay loses. The Giants are in. It would take a small miracle for the Giants not to make the playoffs. I mean, that's just the reality. And it's as simple as win and you're in. Now, if you go into Week 18 and you need a win against Philly, who might be going for the number one overall seed, things get a little crazy. But this is win and you're in. And if you don't win, you still have a chance to get in. Philadelphia takes on New Orleans this week. The Giants in the last week. Philly can clinch the NFC East with a win or a tie or a Dallas loss or a tie. Now, Philly can also clinch home field advantage and the NFC's first round bye with a win. So Philly wins this week against New Orleans. They win the division. They win a first round bye. They could sit everybody down in week 18. Or a Philly tie and a Minnesota loss or a tie. Or a Dallas loss or a tie, Minnesota loss and a San Francisco loss. That gets them the number one overall seed. So, Giants win and you're in. Make things simple for us, sure. Philadelphia win, you're in. And your number one overall seed. Make it simple for us, sure. Let's go to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay against Carolina this week. And then at Atlanta next week. It's as simple as this. If Tampa Bay wins this week, they win the NFC South. The end. No complications needed. That's it. If they don't win, it opens up the door for many other things. But Tampa Bay... Giants, Philly, you guys win, you're in, you get your playoff spot, you get your number one overall seed, you you get what you need. Then you have Washington. Washington's against Cleveland this week, and then they play Dallas at home in Week 18. Washington will clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Seattle loss and a Detroit loss and a Green Bay loss or tie. So there's a lot to be determined still here in the NFC. What it really comes down to, look, the entire NFC East might make the playoffs, right? I mean, they may not all get in this weekend, but they might make, look, the Eagles are already in, right? And we know that they're looking for the division title. They're looking for number one overall seed, sure. The Cowboys are already in. They need some help, but that win last week, that helped them. They they are looking to get in. Giants, win and you're in with the Colts, right? So then Washington can get in, which would mean the entire NFC East gets in if they win Seattle lost, Detroit lost, Green Bay lost. But if Washington wins the next two weeks, they're in. So there's a very good scenario that the NFC least actually gets every team into the playoffs. That's interesting. We also have the winner of the Patriots and Dolphins game on Sunday. They are going to control their own destiny going into week 18. Okay, so whoever wins the Patriots-Dolphins, 
Green Bay is trying to make uh, uh, whoever wins the the Patriots Dolphin game. Basically, you win the next two weeks, you're in. So Belichick's not dead. Patriots can still get in despite their blowups. And think about what that path would have been had the Raiders you know, not got that miracle there. Green Bay is also trying to make a little late push here, right? Minnesota and Detroit, they get both at home, both division games, both in Lambeau. This is this is one of those ouch kind of moments, right? But Minnesota can end their rivals' dreams this weekend. And then you have the Bucks and the Panthers. Panthers, which I was telling you, uh, look, if the Bucks lose this week, okay, the Bucks win, they're in. If the Bucks lose this week, that means that it is a guaranteed situation where the NFC South representative in the playoffs will be under 500, whether it be the Panthers, whether it be the Bucks, and there is an outside shot of 18 things happening, the butterfly effect and everything else that the Saints get in. So that's your playoff scenarios going into this week. Now, from a betting standpoint, I try not to put too much on the betting on the the playoff scenarios. Well, there are a must-win situation. Yeah, we see must-wins all the time go down. Uh, But it is interesting to note all of the playoff scenarios that are going on out there and all of the jumbled mess that some of these playoff scenarios do bring. With all that said, let's not delay. Go right into Cowboys and Titans. Look, there's the Thursday night game. It's about a nine, nine and a half point spread. And here's the situation, right? The Titans do not need to do anything in this game. The Titans can just not show up. The, The Tennessee Titans cannot show up for this game at all. Put nobody on the field and it will not impact them in any way, shape or form. If they lose to Dallas, they still can win the AFC South in week 18. Everything is designed for week 18. If they beat Dallas, it doesn't help their playoff chances. It, it just doesn't. Everything goes to week 18. So when they put out their injury report, now we know Ryan Tannehill is out. We know Malik Wills is going to be the starting quarterback. But when they put out their injury report and you see 12 players on the injury report, including Derrick Henry, that is 20% of their roster is listed on an injury report. Why would Mike Vrabel play any of them? I mean, that's the situation we're in. Why would he play any of them? Mike Vrabel should not play Derrick Henry. He should not play uh, even Malik Willis. Go for the third straight. I mean, play nobody in this game. I don't think he's going to do that. But it's a short week. It's a bad situation. It doesn't matter if they win or not. I mean, this is a Tennessee team that should rest at 20%. All, all Every player that even has a, a hangnail, rest them. It means nothing. Now, I will say this for momentum you would like to play well and get a win, even though it doesn't mean anything. The Titans are on a five-game losing streak, right? They've had a minus-five turnover ratio during that five-game losing streak, and they're in a bad spot. The Cowboys are 3-3 three and three straight up on the road, so they're doing okay. But if this was not a game where, you know, the Tennessee Titans could just mail it in, it could be an interesting matchup. I know that Dak Prescott looked really good last week, and he really did, okay? Dak looked fantastic. But this is still a run-first Dallas team. Run first, run second, run third. It's Pollard and Zeke and run it all day. We know that. Well, Tennessee actually is second in the NFL against the run. You could abuse their secondary, but you can't run on this team. And that could have been an intriguing matchup. I don't think Mike Vrabel is the type of guy, and specifically, certainly not the type of coach, to sit all of his players, to rest all 12 of these guys, uh, to not show up to the game and not care. I don't think he's that type of, uh, of coach. But I think even 100% healthy, this is a fair line. I, I thought 100% healthy, Dallas should be a touchdown favorite. Okay, so it's nine, nine and a half because of the guys that will be rested. 
There's no way you could get me to bet Tennessee in this game. No, no chance. Not with the knowledge that it doesn't really matter. And oh, by the way, everyone's going to be resting. With that said, I don't know if I love Dallas. Huge emotional win last week, right? They are a run for a team going up against Tennessee. It's a short week. And Dallas, look, they, they've been known in their history and specifically with this coaching staff to kind of play down to their competition. It wouldn't shock me to see Dallas struggle a little bit, even against the B squad, and maybe not cover the double-digit spread. So it's a hard game for me to go near one way or the other. Let's go on to the garbage game of the week. Right? I mean, you know, you can still make money on garbage games, but this is a game that nobody should be paying attention to in a week 17 in the NFL. Cardinals, Falcons. Falcons open up a little bit more than a field goal favorite here against the Cardinals. The opening line was four, went down to three and a half briefly. It, it, it's still, still sitting there uh, over a field goal, depending on where you're looking. Look, the Cardinals, they played well against Brady and the Bucs, but what is that saying since everybody seemed to be playing well right now against Brady and the Bucs? Uh, they they played well, but they lost. And the Falcons, look, they lost another close game to Baltimore in a game very low scoring for both teams. And it wasn't low scoring for both teams because their defenses played well. It's not that the Falcons' defense played well, and it's certainly not that the Arizona defense played well. This is a problem where Baltimore's offense is just shot right now, and Tom Brady it just looks lost with this Buccaneers offense. Atlanta having bad offensive problems as well. The Atlanta Falcons have averaged 14 points per game, and they've lost four in a row. And now they've gone to Desmond Ritter, who looks like a rookie. Look, he's got moments of brilliance. He's got moments where you feel good as an Atlanta fan. But on the average, look, at this point, they're getting 14 points per game. It's just bad, even for a rookie. Arizona, not much better. Uh, we know Arizona's on their third-string quarterback. Arizona's averaging a little bit more than 15.5 points per game. They are on a five-game losing streak. So here we go. We have two bad teams, two bad teams on losing streaks, two bad teams on losing streaks, neither of which can possibly score. And all of a sudden, you're looking at this game and you go, yeah, this is one of those games where I don't want to bet on it at all. Your immediate impact here is, is oh, I'm going to jump on the over-under. Over-under was set at 40. It's gone down to 39 with two bad offenses. You think, okay, I'm going to jump on the on the under here. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't love that idea because a lot of bad offenses bring turnovers and things of that nature. How about the Steelers-Ravens game? Now, I... I have looked at this game, and I know that it's probably going to be flexed to Sunday Night Football, okay? Uh, but we're going to do this now only because it hadn't been announced at this point, but I do expect it to be flexed to Sunday Night Football. Ravens are a four-point favorite. The over-under here is set at 35-and-a-half. Now, that'll tell you that the books don't believe Lamar Jackson will be back. Harbaugh has said he doesn't know if he's coming back right now. Will he be back for the playoffs? Yes. They're saying that he should be back for the playoffs. It's a back injury. So why would you force him into this game? Well, why? Because it's a home game. It's now possibly Sunday Night Football. And it's an opportunity to win the division. You're not going to get the number one overall seed. So you don't get the benefit of that number one overall seed. But winning the division is so much better because you get to play at home. Now, the Ravens have not been a home game 
a, a good home team this year. They're not a team that goes out there and wins home games uh, consistently in, in 2022 at all. They've been actually a bad home team. But you look at the Ravens and you go, yeah, but that's without Lamar Jackson fully healthy. And when they did have Lamar Jackson, they didn't have J.K. Dobbins, who now has come back and looked pretty good. Although J.K. Dobbins had 50 yards at the half last week and then basically didn't get a touch in the second half. I think he got two touches for nine yards, and, and then they sat him down. Uh, the entire fourth quarter, he was gone. Did he get re-injured? Did he hurt himself? Is he going to be 100%? Mark Andrews has been such a disappointment this year, but I don't think it's Mark Andrews' fault. It's a play-calling fault. I, every single week, I turn around and I, I text my my Ravens buddy Tim, and I go, "Why are they not targeting? They're not even targeting Mark Andrews, which is a problem. Not even looking at Mark Andrews." So, I'm worried about the Ravens, but I understand their philosophy of, "Hey, if we win the division and we get home field advantage and everyone's healthy, well, that's a lot of ends." But I could see those ends coming true, and I could see the Ravens being dangerous once they do get healthy and they do get clicking. Lamar Jackson, by all accounts, by the people that I am hearing from, Lamar Jackson probably could have returned last week. If it was a playoff game, they believe that Harbaugh would have had him in there. But there was no reason for him to return. There was no reason for Lamar Jackson to push it. Lamar Jackson is your offense. Let's just be real here. Dobbins is good. Andrews is good. But we've seen the struggles uh, without him in there. So if Lamar Jackson is your offense— why would you push him to play? And it's the same thing with this week. Yes, I know it's a division game. I get it. But what's more important, winning the division, which maybe they feel like they could still win with Tyler Huntley, or getting to the playoffs with a healthy Lamar Jackson? Well, getting to the playoffs with a healthy Lamar Jackson, certainly. They are in a division battle, and there's no guarantee that the Bengals are going to beat the Bills this week anyway. Now, on the other side, you have the Steelers. Steelers have been playing really well, and they've been playing really well. A lot of people are saying, well, you know what? Pickett's playing really well, and and you know, I know they needed a miracle in this. Look, they've been playing really well since Watt has come back, and I've made the reference many, many times on the show that T.J. Watt is just that player. He elevates his team to a point that very few players have ever, ever elevated their team. We also have the betting situation where Mike Tomlin, since he's come into the league, is the fifth best player. Uh, head coach since coming into the league uh, completely when he's an underdog. He just does not, I mean, get blown out. It just doesn't seem like he does, especially when he's an underdog of a short number. He covers, he wins outright. Look, this number's four. If this number was two, I would tell you to lay off. But with a four number, I think every Ravens-Steelers game I've ever watched is like 16, 13, 19, 16. I expect it to be low scoring. I can't go near the 35 and a half. I expect it to be low scoring, and I expect the Steelers to play well. Depending on Lamar coming back or not will depend on if I would make a bet on this game. I lean the Steelers. Yes on the road. Yes on, on Monday night or Sunday night football if it turns out to be that way. Yes, I still lean the Steelers. But if Lamar is there, I'm going to have a hard time pulling the trigger on that one. Okay, let's get right back into the games here. Bears, Lions. Lions open up five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under here uh, is something I've been just riding the Bears week after week after week. The Bears over week after week after week. Uh, it seems every week I get a favorable number. And finally, this is a number that I don't love. It's 52. It opened at 51-and-a-half. It's up to 52. It's a number that I don't love. Like, look, two weeks ago against Philly, I took them. And I lost by a couple of points because there was missed field goals and all kinds of things. Last week, I had the over with the Bills. It went way over. And they've been putting out Bears 
kind of totals at like 47, 48 for a while now. This one goes up to 52. A lot of that has to do with the Lions at home. And look, the Lions at home should be the key word here. Jared Goff's home and road splits are absolutely astronomically just crazy. I've said many times on the show before, if you're a prop player, just take Jared Goff over one and a half touchdown passes at home every single week and under one and a half touchdown passes on the road. I mean, that has just been Jared Goff at this point. The total is secondary to the game itself. The Lions need this game to keep up their playoff hopes. But the Bears have been playing close with everybody. The Bears have been fluky and playing close with Philadelphia. Fluky playing close with the Bills. I I know it got away from it at the end, but the Bears are playing close with everyone. And the Bears are playing close because of Justin Fields. A lot of that has to do with him. Look, he had no rushing yards last week. I mean, I you know, the, the rushing yards total had been set for him in the high 60s week after week after week and then it touched onto the 70s and he had hit it and he was crushing it and crushing it last week. He had just uh, almost none, less than 20 yards rushing, so almost nothing. You expect Justin Fields to get back and that running game to get back. That's why the Bears are keeping these, these things close. Look, the Lions just got abused in the running game. The Carolina Panthers rushed for 320 yards That is the sixth best all-time. 320 yards on the ground. Well, the Bears are going to come with the same kind of philosophy. Not only do they have David Montgomery playing really well, but Khalil Herbert is also back from IR. And then, of course, the Justin Fields thing. Look, these two teams played in Week 10. The Bears were fully in control of this game. Lions came back and won. But the Bears rushed for 258 yards in that game. I expect a very, very similar situation, a very similar philosophy. I kind of wish I could jump all over the over here, but I can't. I'm going to calm down, not jump on the over. But the Bears keeping it close makes a lot of sense, especially when everyone's saying, well, the Lions have to win. It's one of those have-to kind of games that makes me jump off of things. I do know the Bears are going to run the ball well. I just think that the Bears' secondary, and by the way, they lost another secondary member. Their defense is just a shell. Just won't be able to keep up with Jared Goff on the turf at home, where he's been just incredible. The prop play of Jared Goff over one-and-a-half touchdown passes is fully in play this week. Jaguars, Texans, look, this doesn't have the juice that it probably should because all the things I mentioned earlier, the Jaguars, they're about five, five and a half point favorite on the road. 44 is the over under here against the Texans team. The Texans are playing really well. The Texans are playing close and tight games. They have been all year long. I mean, anytime you saw a double digit game, think about what they did against Kansas City, think about what they did against Philadelphia. The Texans have been fighting and fighting really hard all year long. Now, they did lose Damian Pierce last week, but they were able to get back Nico Collins. They were able to get back Cooks. That kind of helped, right? So they do have some talent on this team. And the really the thing is that they have a lot of drive. Now, Jacksonville, if this was a spot where Jacksonville needed this game, I'd be all over Jacksonville. As a matter of fact, I might be on Jacksonville anyway. Look, the Jacksonville Jaguars have really just upped their game recently. And it's both offensive and defensive. But it's really Trevor Lawrence at what we've watched. The Jaguars have won four of the last five games, right? Um, Trevor Lawrence is playing out of his mind. I keep talking about it over and over. He's got 11 touchdowns and one interceptions in the last five games. You could go back even further than that. The last two months, if Trevor Lawrence would, would have put together a first eight games like he has the last eight games, he'd be in the MVP conversation. That's no joke. I mean, that's how good Trevor Lawrence is playing. Travis Etienne is playing really well. This entire Jacksonville team is suddenly a dangerous team. Now, again, I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Tennessee next week. We have to see how that uh, turns out, especially with Tennessee getting the extra rest. But I think that nobody wants to play the Jaguars. You always talk about nobody wants to play. Why? Because they know how talented Trevor Lawrence is. And if we're sitting here 
And we're talking about a talented quarterback with a good coach who has won in the postseason. It's a team you don't want to play. Now, I don't think Jacksonville has what it takes to go to the Super Bowl, but I do think that they have what it takes to maybe upset and win a game or so. That is down the road, though. Let's talk about right now. The problems with Jacksonville are this. The Jacksonville Jaguars are 0-3 straight up as a favorite this year. They don't do well in the favorite role. A lot of that was early in the year, sure, but they don't do well in the favorite role. They're still a young team. They're still a developing team, and they're still a team, a franchise, an organization, and a lot of the players that are not used to winning. The Jaguars actually lost in Week 5 to this Texans team in a game I was actually sitting in Las Vegas, and, and it was a nightmare. I mean, I, I don't even have any explanation of what happened in this game. What I do know is that Trevor Lawrence threw an interception late in the game in the end zone. It was a, just a bad overall game, bad decision-making, bad play-calling. Trevor Lawrence had one of the worst games of the year. So you can't expect that to repeat itself. But the Texans are a covering team. They've covered three straight games. They're coming off a win against Tennessee. Uh, this is a team that has hung with the Chiefs. They've hung with Dallas. Uh, or, uh, I'm sorry, with, with uh, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. They just beat Tennessee. Oh, man. You know, if this game meant something, I would be all over. I still lean Jacksonville. I still do. But it's on the road. It's a game that doesn't mean anything. And they're laying some points. It's a tough spot at this point. All right. Broncos, Chiefs. This line has continued to rise. It opened up at 11, 11 and a half. It's up to 13 and a half in some spots. The Broncos are just a train wreck. The Broncos were absolutely destroyed. They gave up 51 points to the Rams. Baker Mayfield has been in the building like a, a week. And it just a slew of backups to backups to backups, right? Now comes Kansas City. I will say this, though. They got destroyed, and it wasn't necessarily by Baker. It was by the running game, Cam Akers, who really did his job there. The spread has continued to go up because people know what Kansas City can be and what they have been. Patrick Mahomes is 10-0 with a passer rating of 95.4 against Denver. Patrick Mahomes has never lost to the Denver Broncos. Okay? I told you guys in the first game, I was taking the money line. I didn't care how much it was going to be. It was a crazy money line. It was like 5-1. to one. I didn't care. And thankfully, I did because they barely lost that game. I mean, it, it, they were up 27 nothing. let them come back. The Chiefs, they've won 14 straight against Denver. Now, do you think that this Denver team is going to be the team to turn it all around? Look, Denver's offense has failed to score 20 points in 11 of their 15 games this year. Russell Wilson is getting destroyed for his poor play, but let's be honest, he has no time back there. He's been sacked at least three times in 11 of his 13 starts. He's taken at least six, three of his past six games. I mean, six sacks, guys. He has no time to do anything. But on the other side, the Chiefs are 0-3 against the spread when they're favored by double digits. They are one of the worst against the spread teams since Patrick Mahomes has come into the league. That's just reality of what this team is. Kansas City is a bad bet week after week, but this is one of those spots where I, I think that you have to look at KC and think, okay, it's a, it's a good team that they're uh, to beat up on because they have the success. And the last time Patrick Mahomes saw this team, yeah, they were up 27-0, and what happened? Patrick Mahomes threw three interceptions. Here's a game where we're all going to be watching a Monday night between Buffalo and Cincinnati, but Kansas City has to win to maybe get that number one overall seed. The Hackett firing comes at an interesting time here. Because not only was Hackett fired, but assistants didn't want the job. It's a mess in Denver. But that mess might mean that they just give the ball to Russell Wilson and, and let him kind of do his thing back there. It scares me a little 
if this line was nine and a half, I would say, okay. It scares me a little that it's closing in on 14. I think it's Kansas City or nothing in this spot, obviously, with the history. But I'm sitting back and I'm saying, I, you know, I don't know if I could lay 14 points, even in this spot, even against this team. If there's a team that I was going to do it against, it would be the Chiefs against the Broncos. But I'm not sure that I could go fully onto this. So I, what I do find interesting is that the total really hasn't moved, even though the line has moved, which means Kansas City's implied total is now into the 30s, guys. We're talking about 30s where their team total is because sometimes you could take advantage of that. Dolphins, Patriots, the Dolphins are just reeling. I mean, there's nothing more to say about that. They do come in as a favorite, a two-point favorite here. The over-under is 43, 43 and a half. Uh, Look, this is all about, right now, the Dolphins and their struggles and really going back to Tua. Coming into the season, there was a lot of questions about Tua. Could he be the guy? Was he the answer in Miami? And early on in the season, it looked like he answered a lot of those questions. But late in the season, it has not looked that way. But a lot of this has to do with concussions, potential concussions, missing time. Tua can't stay healthy. I mean, he couldn't stay healthy. Coming out of college, that was the big concern. Now he can't stay healthy in the NFL. For whatever reason, it could be bad luck. It could be whatever it is. I'm not sure that the Dolphins organization is sold on Tua being the guy long-term after another year like this. And this could be one of those kind of save-your-job type of games if Tua even plays. And it doesn't look like he's going to play. Look, at the 2-minute and 40-second mark, Tua looked like he got concussed. Before that, there was he was 9 of 12 for 229 and a touchdown, no interceptions. After that, 7 of 13, 81 yards, three interceptions. Tua looked like it really did affect him. So I would be surprised if Tua played in this game. It's the Dolphins' season. It's their hopes on the line. I get it all. But it's a concussion, and it's his third concussion this season. Now, Teddy Bridgewater would get the start here. Teddy Bridgewater is a covering machine. We know that. We call him Teddy Covers for a reason. As an underdog is where he generally does most of his damage. He'll be a favorite in this spot. But it is his first time facing Belichick. So we have different ideologies going up against each other. I've always been on the, hey, bet on Teddy Bridgewater, you know, especially getting points kind of mantra week after week, year after year. Teddy Bridgewater just covers. But first, year quarterback, well, first year quarterbacks against Belichick is, is just a money-making scheme, but but quarterbacks going up against Belichick for the first time in their career, Belichick usually has plenty of success. Plus, the Dolphins are not just broken just because of Tua. Look, the Dolphins went 0-4 in December, okay? No team in NFL history has ever made the playoffs after losing every game in December. That That's crazy. CBS Sports gave me this. 87 teams have gone 0-4, 0-5 in December. Nobody has ever made the playoffs. That's ominous for this Dolphins team. The Dolphins also haven't won a road game since Week 9. The Dolphins have also averaged 6.6 points in the second half over the last five games. And Tua has been getting sacked all year long. And now the Patriots defense comes in. They are ranked second in the NFL in sacks. Mac Jones is having problems on the sidelines. Mac Jones is screaming and yelling. But this is a game that it's the defense. Even in a loss, the defense looked really good against Cincinnati and made Joe Burrow look human. Even in a loss, the Patriots still played their philosophy and were able to be right in that game until the end. You look at the last two games by the Patriots, it's been bad luck. And you can tell me it's stupid play. Yeah, stupid play buys into some of that bad luck. Should have won against the Raiders. And a lot of cases can be made that they should have won against the Bengals. So you have a Patriots team that is on the uprise, although nobody wants to talk about them, and a Dolphins team that all of a sudden can't get out of their own way. 
I, I mean, I, look, the Patriots at home getting points. Belichick in this spot. This is a hard one to turn down. Colts, Giants. Look, the Giants can clinch a playoff spot with a win. We've talked about that, right? And the Colts defense are going to come off for a short week. But they played well against Justin Herbert. The Colts' defense played well against Herbert. You can't argue that. Uh, they came up with a fumble recover. They had a couple of nice, real real nice stops, but they are coming off of a short week. And the Giants, they're a different type of team. The Colts throw it all day. You know they're going to throw it all day. They're not going to run. They're not even going to attempt to run. We know that about the Colts. The Giants are the exact opposite. They are going to run all day long. Saquon Barkley is averaging 5.3 yards per carry over the last two weeks. Saquon is going to run the ball all day long on a Colts team that can't seem to get anything done on the offensive side of the ball, so the running game would be able to eat the clock. Maybe take a look at the under in this game. The Colts, though, they have just been absolutely decimated in in the fourth quarter. Um, Colts opponents have scored nearly 100 points in the fourth quarter. Colts have scored nine uh, since Jeff Saturday has taken over. That is absolutely insane, the divide. Brian Dable has an opportunity here, and Brian Dable is one of the best coaches in the league. Brian Dable has an opportunity here to not only win the game and get his team into the playoffs, but to win the game with his style, which is get after the quarterback, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, get after the quarterback, play intense defense, and run the ball all day. And Saquon Barkley running the ball all day long, playing good defense, and just grinding out a win That makes sense here, but I could see this being a 21-20 Giants win, a 17-16 Giant win. I can see that because that's how the Giants generally tend to play this game, so it's something to be careful of when you're talking about the spread. Saints, Eagles. Eagles open up at a a 6.5-point spread despite the fact that Jalen Hurts probably won't play. Nick Sirianni has been up and down this week about, well, he's not going to announce if he's going to play. He doesn't want to talk about if he's going to play. He might not play. I think we all know that Jalen Hurts, there's no reason for him to play, and he probably won't play in this game. Now, there has been some chatter. Well, if he's well enough, he's going to play. I just don't think so. Gardner Minshew is perfectly fine. Gardner Minshew, by all accounts, uh, could have beaten that Dallas team and probably should have beaten that Dallas team. He would be perfectly fine in this spot as well against a Saints defense that is a little overrated here. I mean, the Saints defense is a a defense that I I think that we've all looked at and we all said, yeah, you know, they can be good, but they haven't been particularly good this year. I do like the idea that Lattimore will lock up against Brown, but that leaves Smith open. There's a lot of weapons for the Eagles, so they should be favorites here. But there is certain spots where the Eagles might kind of let up. First of all, there's a big injury on the Eagles, on the Eagles offensive line. So that gives the Saints some ability to kind of get after Gardner Minshew. And if it's Minshew, maybe he gets a little rattled. Sure. But there's also the other side to things, and that's the Saints offensive line playing really well. Andy Dalton has just taken five sacks in his last four games combined. So they are protecting really well uh, Andy Dalton, who can sit back and create certain things. Look, Alvin Kamara is going to be the main guy here, but you have the gadget plays of Hill. You have Olave. You have certain players on this offense that they're not necessarily a threat, but I can see them kind of keeping within the number. I think it's a large number for a backup quarterback, a missing left tackle, and a Philadelphia Eagles team that, after a big emotional game against Dallas, may be kind of going through the motions here. Panthers, Bucks. this is the game of the week. I mean, there's, there's just... Uh, so much implied, even though both of these teams are just generally not good teams. It doesn't matter. 
because this game could decide this division. The Bucks are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, as you could expect. Like 80% of the money's coming in on the Bucks. sure. I did one of the one of the polls from one of the uh, sports books out there where they had not taken a Panthers bet yet, okay? And this was on Wednesday I checked it. They had not taken a Panthers bet. If the Bucks lose, it guarantees the division winner will have a losing record. I mentioned that at the top because that is something that is just spectacularly horrible. Tampa Bay got the win. They got a 19-16 win. It was ugly. It was dirty. It was a fight against an Arizona Cardinals team that was playing a third stringer. But they got the win. And the Panthers, look, they just rolled on Detroit. They absolutely just literally ran all over them. Ran and ran and ran and ran. And that is their formula. The thing is, is that Tampa Bay's defense is a pretty good run defense. But I still expect the Panthers to run and run and run and run. Over the past four weeks, the Panthers are averaging 187 rushing yards per week. The Panthers are also 5-0 and this year in any game where they rush for 170 yards. And, oh, by the way, 320 yards last week. Carolina also ran for 173 yards in Week 7 when they beat Tampa. The Bucs are 0-5 when they allow over 150 rushing yards. It's all about the rush here. It's all about the rush, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. But it's also a lot about, and you can talk about Sam Darnold, by the way. He's got six touchdowns, zero uh, interceptions. That's big. The touchdowns, who cares? Because they're a running team. But the fact that he's not turning it over is big. But on the other side, we have to talk about the Bucs here and their offense. The Bucs are 0-7 this season in any game where the other team scored 20 points. That That's terrible. 20? The other team gets 20 and you just can't win? That's terrible. But Brady has looked better at times, right? He's thrown... He's looked better at times, but it hasn't come recently. Brady has these comeback wins to sort of mask the idea that the, the offense is broken. Since week 14, Brady's thrown six interceptions, and he's got five touchdowns. The The Bucks have gone one and three. Brady struggled mightily in their loss back in week seven. The Bucs are 0-7 when they allow the, the 20 points. That's 20 points. That's because the Bucs' offense cannot get things done. The Bucs' offense went from fourth overall in explosive, explosive plays last year to dead last this year. So they're not even getting downfield plays. You saw the frustration of Mike Evans on the sideline. You saw the frustrations week after week of all these teams. The one thing I will say is that Carolina is going to be down J.C. Horn. He is a real good cornerback. That's a, a big loss for them. If Brady's ever going to break out, we say week after week, if Brady's ever going to break out, it's got to be this week. Can Brady and the Bucks be dangerous in the playoffs? Sure, but they got to be dangerous right now. Browns, Commanders, uh, Washington, it's about a pick them one point maybe in the favor of Washington, depending on the sports book you're going at. Washington, they have a quarterback controversy, right? It's Wentz, it's Hanky. We don't know who's going to do it. Hanky was rolling right along, but now Wentz looks like he's going to be the guy. The the Commanders have allowed 145 and a half yards rushing over the last four weeks. You could run all day. And here come the Browns that love to run all day anyway. The Browns have averaged 15 points per game since Deshaun Watson returned, though. Their offense has not been good. Flat out not been good. Can't say anything about it. The Browns offense, 11 games with Jacoby Brissett, averaged 2.7 touchdowns per four games. Deshaun Watson, three total touchdowns. Deshaun Watson absolutely sat back, and he made this offense worse. Look, in it, 700 days off, that is going to happen. But he made this offense worse. Let's act, not act like that didn't happen. 
Niners, Raiders, the world is on the Niners at only minus six right now. I've seen numbers upwards of 90% on the Niners. It's absolutely crazy. And, and look, we understand. Brock Purdy is running the show. George Kittle looks really good. Purdy, by the way, is pa- uh, by the way, has passed for at least two touchdowns in four straight games. Brock Purdy's become the guy. And let's be honest, Brock Purdy fits Shannon's offense a little bit better than people expected. Maybe there's a quarterback controversy on your hands for next year. It's going to be hard to get rid of Brock Purdy if they go deep into the playoffs. And you just heard me give the Super Bowl odds, plus 650. People expect them to go deep into the playoffs. A lot of this resurgence is on George Kittle as well. He has come back, and when he is on fire, he is on fire. There's only one tight end in the league better than him. No offense to Mark Andrews, but only George Kittle is better than him. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. uh, Travis Kelsey is better than him when he's on fire like this. And then it goes to the Raiders, and it's all about Derek Carr or lack thereof Derek Carr. Derek Carr has a 66.8 passer rating since December started. That is the worst in the NFL for the month of any quarterback with any starts this month. He has just regressed massively. There was a lot of question marks about Derek Carr before his Raiders tenure. When John Gruden came in, he masked it a lot. Make fun of John Gruden all you want. But the guy is just simply a really decent football coach. Look, Derek Carr had a 69 or 68.7 completion percentage and 7.7 yards per attempt in four years with John Gruden. He's got a 60.8 and a 7 under Josh McDaniels. McDaniels is supposed to be one of the best offensive minds. Look, I don't know. I get that 90% is on one side here. I don't know that you could possibly convince me to take the Raiders, not the way that they're going about these things. I know San Francisco is the hot team, and they're getting all the money. It's it's for a good reason. Jets, Seahawks. Seahawks are one-point favorite at home. Mike White is going to make the start here. Everybody in Jets land is happy about that. The Jets have been adjusted. Now in some spots, the number's kind of switching, so maybe you could get the, the Seahawks at pick them, maybe even plus a point or so. It's going to be right right around there because Mike White changes everything or so that they're telling us, right? The Jets, we know that they can get into the playoffs. I went over their, their playoff situations. Basically, um, they have to win the next two games against Seattle-Miami. Uh, the Pats split their last two against the Dolphins and the Bills, and the Jets are in. I mean, that's just it. The Jets went through the entire month of December without winning a game. We just talked about the situation with that. And the Jets' defense is really good, but it can be susceptible at times. Look, the Seahawks, this is Geno Smith against the Jets. It's kind of a revenge game a little bit, right? And the Seahawks, they are 16-4 in the last 20 home games against the AFC. There's a difference between Mike White playing well and Mike White playing well in a tough environment on the road against a team that's trying to make the playoffs in Seattle. I think it's a lot to ask from Mike White and the Mike White experience. As much as Jet fans love it, I think it's a little tough to ask him to go on the road and to look as great as he's looked all year. Vikings, Packers, Packers are a three and a half point favorite. What? Yes, the 12 and three Vikings are underdogs to the seven and eight Green Bay Packers. I'll tell you the power. Well, I mean, there's a lot of disbelief in Minnesota, but there's a lot of power of uh, what people are buying into with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers in December. Yeah, look, I mean, that's just what it is. Aaron Rodgers in December, you don't bet against him. You just flat out don't. But you certainly don't bet against Matt LaFleur in December. Green Bay is 15-0 in December under Matt LaFleur. Now, the Vikings have won 11 one-score games. That's most by any in NFL history. Of their 12 overall wins, only one game came 
uh, by more than one score. By the way, oh, that was against the Packers. And that was because Justin Jefferson went nuts. 184 yards, two touchdowns in their first game. He also has three straight 100-yard games. I expect a lot of Justin Jefferson here. The Packers can be run on, so I do expect Alvin Cook as well. Look, I know all the numbers for Green Bay. Maybe they win the game, but I can't lay three and a half to this team. Rams, Chargers. Suddenly the game doesn't mean anything for the Chargers. Justin Herbert. He's 14-15-1 and against the spread overall. When he's an underdog, he does really well, 11-6 and against the spread. So we'll tell you how it is when he's a favorite, which he is in this spot. The Chargers don't have anything to play for here. I don't know if they should be giving up a touchdown to anybody, but you want to keep the momentum going. Even against the Colts, they didn't look great. They look good, but they didn't look great. Baker Mayfield, look, he's played well. He's averaging 230 yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions in the, the two games at SoFi Stadium. He's played well. He's playing well under McVay, and they're running the ball really well. That's the one thing the Chargers can't stop. Cam Akers looked really good last week, and the Chargers flat out cannot stop the run. Well, that makes me uh, a little concerned about taking the Chargers. Finally, Monday Night Football, game of the week, maybe game of the year. The Buffalo Bills are a two-point road favorite in Cincinnati. Cincinnati has won and covered seven games in a row. The Bills, they've won six games in a row. Two red-hot teams, two teams that are not only looking for an AFC championship, they are all kinds of talking about a Super Bowl on both sides. Two of these quarterbacks that are both, you know, they're not going to make the MVP, but they're going to finish both in the top five in the MVP. This is a good matchup. Bang, uh, you know, me against you. Here we go. Uh, let's bang our heads together and kind of come out with who is the best team. Now, the Bengals get the advantage of being at home, but they lost their best offensive tackle, Lanial Collins, this week. That is massive because the Bengals' offensive line has been terrible anyway. And we're all going to talk about Josh Allen uh, you know, against Joe Burrow. That's all it's going to be. And it's going to be Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. The number is uh, massive. The total is sitting here at 50. It's going to be, oh, oh, a shootout. It's going to be me against you. And this. The reality is this is that the Bills, they have really been leaning on the offensive running game lately. Josh Allen's only averaging 260 passing yards per game over the last six weeks, but their rushing attack is averaging over 162 yards per game. On the other side, the Bengals, it's all about protecting Joe Burrow, and here comes the Bills' defense that can get after you. The Bengals are 0-3 this year when Joe Burrow gets sacked five or more times. Well, of course, no doubt, but we watched this team really struggle when you can get pressure on them, and guess what? The Bills come in, and they're a team that can absolutely put pressure on you. I think the Bills should be the favorites in this situation, and I think that losing an offensive tackle, especially the kind of tackle that Collins has been and can be, is way more impactful than anyone's giving credit for. That could be the difference in this game. They do have home field advantage due to the Bengals. I get that, and it's national TV, and Joe Burrow usually steps his game up. If this becomes Joe, uh, Josh Allen against Joe Burrow, I think Burrow wins, not because he's a better quarterback, but because he has more weapons. But if this is the Bills' game plan, we're going to run the ball effectively, we're going to get after this, and we're going to play good defense, I think the Bills can win. Try not to get lured into the idea. McDermott probably won't because he's a good enough coach, but don't get lured into the idea that this is Josh Allen against Joe Burrow because it's not. It's the Bills' defense against Joe Burrow. It's the Bills' running game against the Cincinnati run defense. That really is the true game. All right, guys, enjoy your New Year's, everyone. We'll be back in 2023, and you can bet on that. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.